things may get a little rocky as we explore a very controversial topic. We ask that you buckle your seatbelts because turbulence is scheduled at an all-time high. Our crew is on standby, ready to serve you. We have... What's up, y'all? It's Corey Patrick. Hey, y'all. It's Lottie. Hello, it's Tay. Hey, it's Shay. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Well, good. So tonight, we want to ask a question. Do you talk white or do you talk ghetto? (laughs) So let me tell you. It really grinds my gears. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> it really grinds my gears. <laughs> anyway, it really grinds my gears when people say I talk white. Facts. Like, I remember the first time someone told me that I talk white, and it was actually my own fucking cousin, y'all. I had just moved back from California, or on my way back from California, and my cousin was staying with me and my mom. Him and his mom was staying with my mom and I, and I talked to him on the phone. He was like, who is this white girl on the phone? (laughs) I'm like, uh... Excuse me, I'm your motherfucking black cousin. <laughs> what the hell you mean? <laughs> so, so have y'all been accused of talking white? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have. Yeah. So, do y'all remember y'all f- first experience of being told that you talk white? Sure do. Yes. Yeah, mine was after. Um, so, I moved. I used to live in Richmond, Virginia. And, you know, people that knew me there, I was like, I didn't have to pronunciate my words and I didn't have the type of environment that required me to freshen up on the way that I speak. So when they saw me probably like a year or two later after I moved away, the first comment was, oh, you talk different. You talk like you white. Actually, this is what we should all speak like. You know, you should all want to speak well, but that's a whole different situation. But yeah, I definitely remember the first time and I think it was kind of messed up. So mine was um, worked at a call center and I was helping this black guy. And when I gave him my name, he paused and he was silent and he was like, interesting. I've never met a white woman with an African name. I was like, "Um, I've never met a white woman with an African name like mine either. And he was like, Oh, you're not white. No. You know what? Uh, He was like, Oh, wow. You talk like a white woman you speak so well for a black person and i'm just mm. oh that's offensive as fuck yeah so needless to say i ended that call uh on purpose and then yeah. I, my co-worker looked at me and she was like are you okay and i was like i'm not but you know how something like you really don't know how to respond to something and that's what it left me in this awkward space of what the fuck did he what like, I don't know if I was more offended by the fact that he thought I was white or that he said that he's never met a black person that spoke well. And I'm like, come on now. And I want to be like, nigga, are you serious right now? <laughs> right. right. Like, I, don't, I just don't get why. And we do it to each other. And I mean, I've been guilty of it. I'm just going to be I'm going to be accountable and, you know, on my shit. I've definitely said that about other people. Um, but then you know how you get older and you realize you develop. Yeah, like wow, I've been woke into say that, and now I realize how shitty that really does sound. Even though it happened to me, I still did it to other people. I'm like, damn, that really is some fucked up shit to say that we think like this. Yeah, I'm gonna have to own that. I've done the same thing. Corey, did you have something? I mean, yeah. Um. Mine, I was nine years old. I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I was always, like, education was was a big part of my upbringing. 
And um, I don't know. It just came with, you know, I, I just, I guess I talked proper as a kid. And when I was nine, um, we actually, the, the funny thing about it is my mom moved us out of the hood to the more suburban area. Like it was the suburbs mm-hmm. and, you know, I was nine and it was summertime and I was meeting a lot of the kids who had known each other for years and grew up in a neighborhood and, you know, everybody had a you know, a little rapport or whatever. So I was the new kid. Right. And, you know, and trying to make friends and shit. And this person is actually, I'm not going to name drop. <laughs> I'm not going to do it, but this person is actually a popular rapper today. Mm. He's a popular rapper. He dates a very famous singer. Y'all can probably do the research. Jay-Z! Um, who? <laughs> <laughs> Nigga! That's a rapper that dated famous? Hey. I just said I wasn't name dropping anyway. Oh, my bad. But anyway, so this... This... this even though he was probably like a year or two older than me, maybe, but he just had a mentality that was very much older. Like he hung around with older kids. Like he 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 was a very even though we was like eleven, I think he was like eleven at the time, maybe. He he wasn't an eleven year old. This nigga was 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 grown mentally. So I <laughs> He wasn't them I mean, R. Kelly type niggas. No, if y'all if y'all knew who if y'all knew who he was and his upbringing and shit, you would get it. And if you knew where he was originally from, you would understand. But anyway, so it was a night. It was like a summer night, and it's like kids in the com in the uh, the neighborhood is all hanging around. We used to have these the uh, little green um, boxes that used to be in a, in apartment complexes and shit. Mm-hmm. And kids used to hang around the little green boxes. Um, Transformers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. Um, so it was a night. Everybody was hanging around one of the the transformer boxes or whatever, and just you know, summer night having fun or whatever. We in the suburbs, so it don't matter how late you was out in the suburbs, child. So, <laughs> um, I don't know if it was just like, I think it was more or less like again, I was the new kid, and he told me in front of like the entire neighborhood of kids, he was like, why you talk like that? Like, you talk real white. You talk real fucking pop proper. Like, why you, you know what I mean? Like, you were, like, you black. And and I think that was the first time I had ever experienced that, so I didn't know what that necessarily meant. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know what talking a certain race meant. Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. essentially, he... It, it made me feel like I remember I went I went home that night and I was like I was upset mm-hmm. because I remember having a conversation with my mom and I'm like I don't know like they told me you know I talk white and of course with him because he was popular everybody kind of like joined in so it was like you know so I was like well what's wrong with how I talk because nobody had ever said that there was anything wrong with the way that I was you know I had um you know, I, I spoke. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it kind of scarred me. And growing up, um, you know, of course, coming into your own, you start realizing, like, okay, this is how I'm supposed to articulate. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm having a conversation, I don't need to talk uh, a certain way to fit in with a crowd, mm-hmm. or you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But at nine years old, you don't fucking know. You yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah, that shit, that shit. I wouldn't say that it necessarily followed me, but I definitely feel like as I as my years went on, I guess I started to pay more attention to how I was talking around certain people. And sometimes like at a young age, I would try to like adjust how I was speaking around certain crowds and different people my age. And yeah, that shit kind of scarred me. Mm-hmm. I think that's crazy. I think people need to understand that the way that someone speaks is not a race thing. Like mm-hmm. when did when did speaking become a race thing? Like um I do understand that in some areas, you know, you might pick up a twang or you might, you know, hear a lot of words coming from an urban dictionary than you would from Webster, but at the same time 
maybe it's a culture thing to speak a certain way. However, I think that speaking well should never be a race trigger. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if I'm in a room of Black people, I don't expect to be judged because I'm speaking well. Well, I'm handling business right now, but when I clock out, I might be able to be more lax and use some of the words that you're used to, but I feel like you need to read the room. Mm-hmm. Right. I feel like when I when I first heard those words from my cousin, I knew it made me feel some type of way, but I just couldn't quite put my finger on it. And mm-hmm. as I, I guess, grew older, um, I realized that that was very offensive. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm speaking how I speak. I don't speak like a white person that I know. I'm speaking how I was taught to speak in school. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So how does that make me now a white person? But, you know, I have to say, though, because I think that is something that is tapped into us generation wise, because even with my parents, by the age I was 15, I moved to Virginia. Prior to being 15 or the years leading up to 15, you, you didn't I didn't have. A requirement to speak well no one held me as a child accountable to speak well right so when I moved to Virginia and I'm with my stepmom and she like uh-uh what are you saying to me what are you you know I don't understand what you're trying to say so I think by her being older and it was no other children around for me to really pick up off of like I had to learn you know how to slow down and speak versus just quickly saying whatever I wanted to say. So I think for me, it kind of was t- like, I was almost trained to speak well. Like one of the things I'm remembering as we're having this conversation is she used to be like, no one's going to hire you speaking like that. How are you going to reach where you want to go talking like that? And I used to be like, well, I don't care. Cause you know, it don't even matter, you know, like, but, For her, she was like, you cannot go into the work, you know, the workforce like this. My mom was a hairstylist. She made her own rules. So, you know, she didn't care about what others thought. But my stepmother, she was in the corporate world and she was in a very high position that she was, uh, you know, she had to be able to represent herself well. So I think that I learned how to do both or not do both, but I learned how to adjust and read the room at an early age. Like I had to get out of, you know, just talking lazy and just really take my time and speak. And eventually it took over and, you know, that's just how I speak now. But I have my moments when I'm angry, you'll get it. Okay. But for the most part, I'm going to speak well because that's what I want to do. I think they call that code switching. I was just about to say, so is that essentially what code switching is when we have to turn on these corporate voices or if we have to, if somebody maybe has to try to act like they're a little bit more, I guess, I don't want to say hood, but not, no, but the opposite, because there are plenty of people who will throw on like a a hood voice or whatever um so they can feel like they fit in so is that ultimately the definition of what code switching is it could be because i'm gonna be honest the way i talk here you will not catch me speaking right some ways in the corporate world for my business you will not catch me in a meeting with any of my business owners saying, child, girl, no, because we're here to handle business. You know what I mean? I'm going to address you accordingly because that's what the room is calling for. I think it it all comes down to it's it's a certain place for everything. You Mm -hmm. know, like me talking to my friends in an environment that is, me being comfortable and me being able to speak freely and me being me is not the same as me in a professional environment. And you shouldn't treat a professional environment in the same capacity that you treat a conversation that you're having with your friends. Mm -hmm. 
two different worlds. And I don't think that that necessarily means that you are code switching or being phony or being fake. It is literally about knowing your surroundings and your environment. And it's a time and a place for everything. Mm-hmm. And I just also want, and I mean, I'm just going to call it how I see it because it's black people that do it the most. Mm-hmm. And us to get out of this mindset that we're not allowed to speak well or if someone doesn't use the same words that you use that you automatically um you know put them in that box of oh you talk white like why talk white why first and foremost why is it white that we're talking why is it why is white associated with speaking well so to figure out how to remove that mm-hmm. from the black brain because that is where that shit starts and if one more black person says something about somebody speaking white I am like liable to kick them in the temple because <laughs> it, it's a, not only is it offensive but then it creates this awkward tension that doesn't because now this person doesn't feel like they can talk around you without being judged based on mm-hmm. what so it's like it opens up all these doors and all this shit that we don't need to deal with when just shut your ass up and know that we all talk different and we come from different areas. Um, mine's kind of happened the same way with, mon- with with Lottie because when I came from California to the East Coast, even though we lived on the East Coast, I still talked like a West Coast person. So it was just like, oh my gosh, you, you're, you talk white. You sound so white. And it's just like... Yeah. Everybody I know in California talks like me, white, black, Hawaiian, Filipino, like my friends were like literally a rainbow coalition of people and Mm -hmm. we all talk the same. So I know for a fact I'm not talking white because everybody that that didn't look like me talk like me Mm -hmm. and talk like me were my Mexican homies because they really did talk like like when you see in the movie, that is legit how they sound like this. What's that poem? Yeah, like I don't know if that's considered stereotyping. Mequete, me roto, me soto, comenato, me shoto. Okay, no, no, you don't. No, you don't. That's what they did on Friday. Exactly. Now that was a stretch. That's not no. But (laughs) I want a crib walk. Oh my gosh! (laughs) I cannot believe you just did that. (laughs) (sighs) Oh yeah. Anywho, but yes, we got to figure out how to get that about the black brain because I'm trying to figure out what we're all supposed to sound like. Because like, right. like y'all said, it's cultural It's cultural, or it's just in the area that you grew up in because people in Louisiana obviously talk like no one else in America. Yes. That's Same with people in Baltimore too and uh, Geechee people in uh, South Carolina. Right. But, but listen, the thing is that we as black people, we're not supposed to be able to articulate what we want to say. We are not we are not supposed to have a voice in a way that is supposed to be equal to the 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 white mm-hmm. person, the white man. Because if you think about it, you know. in in terms of like slavery and shit like that like we didn't have a voice Mm -hmm. so it's Mm -hmm. giving white people still giving them the power because you're saying because I talk educated or because I can articulate that I'm talking white why are we still giving uh, superior power to white Mm -hmm. people in the way that oh they talk the way that you're supposed to talk and you're not talking like a nigga. Like, and what I, does that mean? And why are we not looking at it as that? Like, why are we giving white people still that power above us? Like, mm-hmm. they are still above us. And we are not supposed to to be able to have a professional conversation and sit at the same table with these people and, yep. and set these business meetings and conduct these. You know what I mean? Like, why? I feel like you said a lot. That? I feel like you said a lot right there because at the end of the day, like, for me personally, speaking well became something that I wanted to do because when I show up to the table, I wanted you to know that I was not beneath you. I am your equal, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I didn't want you to look at me less than, I'm going to be honest, when I am around a group of 
Dwight's. I, <laughs> I try to hold myself accountable for my own personal actions because I automatically have a thought process through my brain when I see a group of them that they're expecting me to be aggressive, the angry black woman, right. the whatever. So when I am in a room full of them, I hold myself accordingly. Do, do that mean that I'm faking the funk? You know what? Call it what the hell you want. But what you won't do is think that I'm another statistic that does not have an education that that does not know how to conduct themselves you're gonna see me as the woman that i am but then that kind of goes back to what Corey just said as to why yeah why, why are we giving them that superiority to where we feel like we have to do that and so it kind of does go back to almost code switching because yeah. we're putting way more effort into that like why is it that I can't come to the table as me so if being the person that you know I might not speak as well as them but I know my it's the privilege I think it's it's the privilege and it's also intimidation and it's also the fact that we as a people already have it etched in our brain that when compared to them we're not gonna make it so I personally try to just ensure that when Shay coming to the table, I'm coming correct. Like, how you going to check me? What you're going to say? You can't deny me. I know you're going to be thrown off because of the color of my skin, but you will not deny me for any other skill set, any other reason. No, nothing. I just find it funny because it's... Uh... That really and I hate you that think you about have to it. do that. I hate yeah. that you have to do that. But yeah. that's the reality of things. Because if not, what happens is you're automatically looped into one of them ancient niggas type of status. And uh, personally, I'm not going to be seen that way. It's I the reality of the way world. And I want to live a different life. It's the reality of the world. And it's the way it that is. the world, especially this country, it's the way that this country was, was built. You know what I mean? We, at the end of the day, we do have to work harder than mm-hmm. they do. We, do. we have to we do, work we do. harder to make the impressions. We have to work harder to be able to to to, to be land at the seat at the table. We have. Do you to- realize? Like, just think about it for a minute. We're basically saying that we are shouldering our entire race of people if you think about it because you just said yourself that I have to go into this room and ensure that they don't loop me into what they assume I am so that's Mm -hmm. basically saying you are taking your people on your back when you go into these settings and sit at these tables I'm taking the the weight of the black person with me because Mm -hmm. I prove that I'm not what they think I might be yeah you have to for me that and this is why I say kudos to anybody who's working towards not working in a corporate environment and working yeah. for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think it's fair that yeah. anyone has to shoulder that. Just doing basic things like lip, like I, Brad, that shit got me living right now. The more that it's just setting in, like that infuriates me. Why do we have to do all that? We have no choice because we, we started out in the negative. It's, it's it's almost like we started out in the red zone, right? Mm-hmm. So no matter how many great people have came along the way, each one of them has represented the Black culture. Why? Because no one fights for us. No one gives a damn to fight for us. We shouldn't even have to be fought for. We're the only fucking race that literally has to be fought for. Why? You know, that's because we have so much greatness in us, but no one took the time to feed us the way that they fed all of these other schools. They gave them good books. They made sure their books were up to date in that same year. You had people who were learning in a 12th grade. They were reading on a a second grade level. You know, we started in the negative. And in order for us to get out of that negative, we had to be innovative, Mm -hmm. right? To To figure it out. We had to play the game. Does it suck? Yes. Is it fucked up? Yes. But will you be successful and get the things that you actually want and feel like you deserve? Yeah. A lot of us on this phone call work for Fortune 500 companies or either companies who are in great standing and or either government. Like we have great backgrounds, but we didn't get it by popping our necks, 
-hmm. We didn't get it by wearing our pants down on our ass. We didn't get it by wearing nine inch stilettos in a work office environment. We had to play the game. Mm -hmm. And what you do is you play the game to show them not only am I going to play the game, but I'm going to show the next person beside me who looks like me so they can get here too. Wow. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so frustrating. Because It is, but that's how you win. That's how you fucking win. Like you reach back and you take the next person with you, bruh. Because if not, we're going to be stuck. We're going to be stuck in the same situation over and over. Do you know how many women are in housing developments right now who get call center jobs and they stay in that same inbound call center role because they think they're not better enough? No, let me show you as a supervisor. Let me reach back to your ass Mm -hmm. and show you what you need to do so you can eat with me too. Right. Stop settling. Shit. That should be another topic. It should be, girl, because they got real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that the crap, because the whole, it it leads to the whole crabs in a barrel and why we all feel like we can't eat together, why we are in conversation all the time, why we kill each other and and make it harder for us to move forward. Right. Yeah, let's bookmark this one because I got a lot to say about that too. Yes. And it's so crazy how one One, topic can stem to the next to the next. Mm -hmm. Like, seriously, by just of us talking, bruh, I was literally two seconds ago just saying, bruh. Okay. And here I am now making sure I articulate my words, you know? So it's, it's just, I don't know, bruh. It's just a part of you. It's It's just part of you. Like, I'm just, it's like every day I think about something that we've carried since slavery, bro. Like, do you know how long that is to carry? Like, listen, <laughs> like listen. carry too so damn long. Oh my gosh, y'all! Like, seriously, we've been doing this since slavery. Like, imagine how, like, when uh, you know certain slaves were learning back in the day, they had to keep that shit a secret. They couldn't know that you could read, that mm-hmm. you could write, exactly. Like, which call it, and it's not. It, you hate to laugh at it, but Chris Rock made a joke. I don't know if y'all ever saw his one comedy special, but he was saying, you know, that's what we had to do back in the day. We could, we had to hide that we were educated. So, mm-hmm. you know, what does that one person do when, you know, they're riding master down the road, they get into an accident and he's like, oh shit, here's a stop sign. Do I stop or do I keep going? Because if I stop, they're going to be like, well, why'd you stop? And you got to tell them, well, there's a stop sign. And the next thing you know, it's going to be like, well, nigga, how do you know? you know, that's a stop sign. Who taught you how to read? And he was like, but then if I keep going and I get in this accident, it's like, well, boy, why didn't you stop? So it's like, oh shit, what do I do? And mm-hmm. he's like, you know, and he was, but he was, it was funny as shit. And I want to find it so I can send it to y'all. But he ended up saying like the, the person, the white person asked him like, you know, nigga, what, why didn't you stop? You know, he was like, didn't you see that stop sign right there? And he was like, uh, you mean that octagon thing? And he was like, nigga, who taught you octagon? So it was, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's funny, but it's true. Like we have had to do this for so long. And it's just like, when do we not have to do this anymore? Never, never. It's sad, oh. but reality, I think the moment that black people realize that regardless if we feel like you know we shouldn't have to do this we have to Mm -hmm. you know we have to you have to step out of your comfort zone to prove and show that you're better than what these assholes think that you are because if not again you are looped into filth or less than or the opportunities that you really deserve are not going to be available to you you have to work harder than everybody else and that's the way of the world and it's sad Mm -hmm. but it is what it is we have to and we're the only ones i feel like no one else we are themselves as much as black people yeah And, and it's funny because it doesn't matter if it's like us as black people here in America or if it's darker skinned people in another country or continent darker skinned people always have to prove their worth and mm-hmm. they do all the Hispanics time. think that black people are lazy after everything that no matter how many hustles black people can come up with you know a lot of a lot of things 
the I remember talking to a Hispanic lady. I was uh, working at a fast food and I was young, but I was working at a fast food company like 15, 16 years old. And she told me like, you're lazy. And I said, no, I'm not. Like, why? how am I lazy and I'm mopping this floor? She's like, you black, all y'all lazy. Mm. I will never oh, forget no. that. And ever since then, I was an asshole to her because my feelings was hurt. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I would do things that we ain't even got to talk about. But, <laughs> you know, I I was definitely, you know, karma has paid me back over the years. But, um, I yeah, yeah, she definitely let me know, like, yeah, y'all, all y'all lazy. Like, all y'all do is bitch and complain. I will never forget that. Wow. I think another thing that's on our backs is that when we get in these corporate roles and these higher up roles, we then have to teach the people that don't look like us around us that what you think is aggressive is actually me being assertive. Mm -hmm. What you think is being um, rude is no, just me being direct and getting to the point. Mm -hmm. And there's so many different situations and relationships that you have to build and so many different things that you have to erase from people's brains Mm -hmm. in order for them to take you seriously. It adds another job on top of your career. Mm -hmm. And people don't realize that. There are so many people that don't look like me that do not have to work as hard as I do. Not only do I have to do my own job, I also have to teach you that I am not your enemy, that I am not aggressive, and that I am not, um, shit, I'm not a bad person. Mm -hmm. Like, the audacity of you to say that, oh, you presented that so well. Well, yeah, that's my job. What the fuck? (laughs) the hell you're not just gonna have anybody up in here and it's and and they just don't realize how hard it is it is offensive when they're giving you the kudos for doing the job well done and you're like well I didn't do anything yet like you know like it it almost feels like the bar of expectations for our culture is set so low Mm -hmm. that anything out of that uh, expectation is abnormal it's weird it's wrong it's a taboo and it shouldn't be even down to your language it should not be why why are we so taboo right that's, like oh honey <laughs> that just oh girl that shit is heavy like and it just why why are we the only i just Mm -hmm. like why i have so many questions and it makes you think about all of the things that you've been through in your life when you're like oh wow that was an instance of me having to literally do extra and prove work Mm -hmm. when somebody else didn't have to just to get a little bit of credit Mm -hmm. um that i should rightfully have anyway i still had to do extra to get that little bit of credit yes it's just like I remember having a professor um, who graded my paper and it, he gave me a 10 out of 10 and he basically questioned um, he was like yeah I had to do a thorough check um, you know, plagiarism and all that because normally people don't you know I don't give 10 out of 10 um, so I, I just knew that you had to do something wrong and da 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 basically not giving me credit for writing what I wrote and I was just like well I like writing you know it's something I love to do it's a pastime so I I take it seriously so when I was writing the paper I made sure to tap into that and then follow the instructions and he was like oh yeah I just wanted to double check and make sure because that does that just doesn't happen um Mm. what okay it just doesn't happen but that doesn't mean that it's impossible right so, People saying it wasn't supposed to happen for you. Just right. like, and of course, it was. Um, it was a religion. It was a religion course, and I always had something, some rebuttal or something. Everybody knows how I am when it comes to religion. So, um, yeah, it was just like he was shocked. It was essentially. I feel like that was essentially him saying. I've never given anybody a 10 out of 10. I've never getting, given any of my white students a 10 out of 10. And now mm-hmm. I have to give this nigga a perfect score. So I know she mm-hmm. did some some shit to, to, to plagiarize 
or mm. she stole this from somebody, mm-hmm. but it wasn't giving you the credit of, of just your off your work because it wasn't possible for a nigga to do to for for him, for it to be the first ten out of ten. He definitely knew I was black because again, I made sure uh, when it comes to re- I have just have a lot of stuff to say when it comes to religion, and I've always made sure to say something about either being black or being gay. Long story, but and so it was just like it hurt it, it probably killed him to do that but he made it a point to tell me so it almost still it was like it still wasn't giving me credit because you made it a point to tell me why you didn't want to do it right. so it's like it still took away from it. and it's like damn we have to work so hard for just basic shit bare minimum Bare minimum, we have to work, but there's just people, and then that's where the frustration comes in. It's when people don't recognize how hard other people have to work to get what they have, and it's almost like, well, you know, it, uh, it, it's, ew, ew. it just opens so many, us having to talk white essentially opens the door for so many things and reasons as to why we have to do what we do. And at the end of the day, it's still going to boil down to it's still never going to be enough. No, never, never. I don't mm-hmm. think anything. I mean, we've had a black president, okay? And that still didn't show that, you know, we are capable enough, you know? Um, so I just think that nothing that, like you said, nothing that we do will ever suffice to being enough. Like, we'll never really be seen as their equals. It sucks. I mean, it's cool. You got your little white friends. I got a few white friends. I love them. But, you know, I I, I know they don't un- understand my experience. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate them for wanting to understand or either even just standing on my side and, like, thank you. But, you know, unfortunately, it still does not change uh, my experience and what I have to go through, you know, as a Black woman. Like, I shouldn't be looked down upon because I'm having a day where I don't feel like uh, dotting all my I's or crossing all my T's. I don't want to have to do that. Sometimes, let me tell you, I can't say the word mean. That kills me. I hate, I can't say the word mean. But someone else can go in there and pronunciate it and and they can walk away with it but me i'm i got some words i still can't say street strawberry like try me (laughs) okay try me and and here's the thing i try to avoid those words when i'm speaking in a professional setting I just want to be very honest about that. I I try to avoid those words. And because I know I can't say them when I hear myself say them, it makes me feel bad in that moment that I can't say it. But it also makes me instantly think like, did they hear that I can't say it? You know what I'm saying? Like, it just, I don't know. It's I I don't know. Do we, at what point do we say, I'm not going to do this anymore? I don't know. I, I just... When does that become a, a discussion that we all have? At what point do we stop code switching and we just say, you just, you get what you get at this point? Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'm like that. Once yeah. you, once you, once you're introduced to me and you can see how professional I am and you have that level of comfortability with me, yeah. then you get whatever you get. Yeah. <laughs> I let my personality come yeah. in after you've had an opportunity to know uh-huh. me. I, agree. Yeah. I think especially with my where I'm at now, I have the liberty to I know a lot of the management upper level people um, on a more personal basis because I've, mm-hmm. you know, I've worked around them outside of work. So they know me, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it, it's like I, I, I can be professional and I am professional, mm-hmm. but at the same time, don't play with me. Y'all know me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like I, I have the opportunity now in my workplace where I can show a little bit more of my authentic personality because yeah. I feel like everybody does. And it's just the environment of the office that I'm in. Okay. Now, the office that I recently worked for um last year is totally different. You know, it is it is majority of the the agency is Caucasian. There is very few of us. So mm-hmm. I feel like because there is so few of us, 
um, I did have to cold switch more often than I was used to. Mm-hmm. And one thing about it is is that I worked in a unit where it was me and two other black people, and we became really, really close. And I think that we got comfortable around each other. So the staff meetings that were, you know, our unit, we didn't really care. You know what I mean? Like, we just were authentically us, but professional at the same time. There's limits Mm -hmm. to it. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? I'm not going in a meeting with my boss and be like, what up, my nigga? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) You know what I mean? But it was, it was letting me know that I'm professional. Like, at the end of the day, I'm professional, but I'm black. Mm -hmm. I'm educated, but I'm black. Yes. I have a motherfucking master's degree, but I'm black. Like, I don't have to act a certain way off the strength of uh, my skin color, but I can still be authentically me, and I can still be professional. I can yeah. still articulate my words. I can still have a professional business conversation with you, and mm-hmm. I can still be black. And that's that's what I I I want to see. I wish that we could be ourselves and not feel like we have to code switch or someone is saying we're talking white. I just wish we could mm-hmm. be who we are. And it be enough. I, I don't. Unfortunately, you got to get in the room first before you can be who you are. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, yeah, it's on. Think about it like this. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but think about it like this. Let's say it's a Fortune 500 company, and you sitting in a room. It's a black lady and a white lady, and all they got the same damn credentials. They got the same skills, resume exactly the same. Mm-hmm. They're not picking that black lady over that white lady. Mm-mm. They're not. Mm-mm. they're not going to do it Mm-mm. and that is why sometimes we have to code switch or fake the funk or whatever in order to get into these spaces where I can show you what I can do and yes. when I'm comfortable maybe I will be able to have the opportunity relax exactly you know what from a personal experience so I had um so I, I just recently switched um, in May. I started a new role at a company that I'm with. And prior to that, like, I'm just a regular smuggler person working in billing, not really utilizing my degree. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to apply for something that, you know, it's just major. So I'm going to just apply for it. They probably say no, but whatever. So I had an interview. And the interview went well. One of the things that I do is I allow my personality to be shown. I'm always bubbly for the most part, unless you piss me off, right? So they got, you know, a really good version of me. So we did the interview. The guy was like, I loved you. Like, oh, my God. So they they still wanted to hire someone else. They went with a white guy. But the white guy, it would have been a developmental type of move for him financially. So he didn't want it. So my new manager was like, you know what? I want to hire, I want to hire Shay. So let me figure out what I could do to get Shay. So let's go and create this role because they wanted someone that had like technical experience. And I didn't have that um, as an engineer. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So they go ahead and say, hey, we want to interview again for just a different role, you know, but it's the essentially the same thing just without the technicalities. I'm like, okay, cool. They interviewed me again and I was able to land the thing. But for me, I personally think it was my personality that sold me in that moment because, you know, I allowed them to see me. Like I was very honest in that interview, which is something that usually I wouldn't do. I usually will fake the funk, right? But I actually let my hair down and and was able to land it. But I think it was my personality that did it. But I still code switch, I think, because I presented myself um, a little bit different than what I would if I would have still been running those numbers at my regular job prior to what I have now. So what do you think? Because there are, because let me tell you, in my job, there are, there's a trainer at my job who, and Shay, you remember listening to her and how she sounded. Yeah, she sounded like she chewed gum the whole time. Like, 
<laughs> All right, y'all. Like, no. Figure this out. Yeah, no professional cooth whatsoever. But she literally creates and writes the training programs for our entire company here in the U.S. So it's like she was able to acquire her role as herself. She obviously shows up as herself because she didn't talk, you know, quote unquote, talk white. She didn't sound, she sounded like she would talk if she was talking to her homie. She's from New York. So, you know, New Yorkers have that accent. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to code switch. So it's just like, what, how is it that some people can be themselves and still get it, but then other people don't like, Obviously, her credentials spoke for themselves because they hired her. Um, I don't know how, but that's another topic for another day. Yeah, because I kind of think that depends on the hiring person, mm-hmm. too, because, you know, some of these folks that's in these roles shouldn't be. Um, she probably co-switched in the interview. She could have, because she had to do some co-switching. There's that's- no way in hell that they're go- they were going to hire that girl speaking the way that she spoke. I don't believe that for a second. Now, do, does that mean that, you know, while she's in that role, she's now gotten comfortable and acclimated and, you mm-hmm. know, she's busting a move the way she wants to? Yes, as she should. But, oh, no, honey. She didn't walk in there like that. She could, I don't could be operating now or my work speaks for itself. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Because I do not believe that girl walked through that door and <laughs> didn't do no cold switch. Mm-hmm. I would have turned her away, honey. <laughs> I for real. Oh, yeah. I could have heard her. Like it was bad. Yeah, it was like, bad. She oh, was wow. trying to show people. So they were on a meeting, and I don't know because I don't work for the damn company. But they were on a meeting, and the girl was just the way that she spoke was like we sitting here having a conversation, like right now, like Without all right. Her. I think this is this look like it. Oh no, I need to move over here. This is. Oh God, I don't know. Like mm. what? Like she was using just like everyday again. She, everyday words. Yeah, there was no like. I mean, because y'all know and like. Yeah, like there was it, the professional tone undertone. Uh, there, there was none. She again. She sounded like she was sitting. I mean, she could have been on the toilet in her bathroom, <laughs> like in the. They could have did a virtual interview. Child, mm-hmm. this was tired. Okay. Hmm. I, mm-hmm. was, was, was definitely giving me I'm over it vibes but it's right. just he didn't have to and here you know I am coming into this meeting because it's with my big boss and then her so I'm like shit let me make sure I got my shit together and here I'm like well damn I could have got right. in the motherfucking headscarf bonnet <laughs> yeah. like we talking now because obviously that's what everyone is used to with her. So it's just like, when do you turn it? Uh, I guess, like y'all said, you just got to get comfortable once you're in your role, I guess. And once it speaks for itself, you can be who yeah, you are. Think about it. In the meetings that you have now, you heard that word, y'all. In the meetings that you have now, <laughs> um, you know, you can definitely tell which group of you all are more comfortable with one another, depending on what manager is on the call so I think it goes back to like reading the room Mm -hmm. and knowing what's what because if you have some high level executives in my heart of hearts I don't feel like that girl is talking like that with no high level executives but if you're on the line with you know some counterparts who may just you know be there and you need to show them a few things your attentiveness is not as on 10 as it normally would be because the room is not requiring that and that's again that code switch situation Mm. I I, I do it now like if I have a meeting at 9am and it's just me and the guy that holds the role that I hold I'm waking up like hey good morning how you doing you know (laughs) Now, if my big boss is on there and his boss is on there, my first thing is, good morning. (laughs) How are you guys today? It's a great day. Living the dream. Oh, yeah. Living the dream, Bob. Living the dream. You know. (laughs) They'd be like, how you doing today? It is sunny out here. Okay. (laughs) But here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's also the flip side within the our own black community. There is people 
that if you don't speak like them right away, they automatically count you out. Because you, quote unquote, talk white. Mm -hmm. Like, damn, where the fuck am I going to, where do I belong? (laughs) That is very That is disheartening. It is. That within the Black community, we are so different Mm -hmm. and so diverse. But a lot of us are hating on each other. Mm -hmm. Listen, there's enough money for all of us to go around. There are enough businesses for all of us to have our own fucking business and make money. There is enough room for all of us at the motherfucking table. So why act right so you can eat? Yeah. So why block me because I talk different? Uh, So I'm going to say something and this is going to be a topic and I know it's going to cause a whole lot of controversy. Um, Uh Uh-oh. As a matter of fact, made me crash this plane. Wait, I, <laughs> we are in the plane. Because huh? I don't want. Let me not say it because I don't want to offend anyone. And well, you already started. You so gotta say it now. Gotta oh. say it now. Um. Okay. Here it goes. Uh. Like the here, uh, here it go. These views are mine and mine only. They do not belong to the group trip podcast. This is strictly me. I believe that segregation and to a certain extent, was detrimental for Black people. We, when we worked towards everything, when we worked towards segregate, just removing segregation, um, you know, being intertwined with white people, I feel like it set us back um, to a certain extent. Because when things were segregated, we thrived. Uh, we had Black Wall Street. Um, we we did everything that we needed to do for each other. We were unified. We were together. We relied on each other. Even with small quarrels, quabbles, squabbles, whatever you would call them, um, we were doing well. The moment we were integrated, um, we had to start fighting to belong and we had to start fighting to prove ourselves. And we're still fighting to this day. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry. That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't apologize. You, That's definitely food for thought. It is. Because now I'm going to take that away and kind of think about it and do mm-hmm. my research before I respond. Um, good view. I, I, I thank you for sharing that view. We should definitely um, park in like that as a topic. Yeah, it's I an interesting perspective. Yeah. Yeah. My so, only rebuttal yeah. would be that I want the same opportunities as everyone else. Mm-hmm. To say, but we had them. Again, let's go back to we had our own doctors, we had our own nurses, we had our own grocery stores, banks, mm-hmm. uh, air salons, our bar- towns. We had everything we mm-hmm. needed. And you had the opportunity to go to college and get an education and become a doctor, become a lawyer. You had the opportunity to do X, Y, and Z. It looked a little bit different because we were, again, we were segregated. So, you know, maybe the institution that you you wanted to go to, you couldn't go to because it was a PWI. So they were going to send you to an HBCU. But let's just, and I'm going to throw this out here as well another topic that might offend people, but I feel like HBCU educations um, are more valuable at times than PWIs because I feel like predominantly white institutions, when it comes to educating black people, they miss the mark. So I look at people that are educated through historically black colleges, and I feel like um, they are more well-rounded but it is spent the opposite way when you're entering college. When I was looking at colleges, I was out out of the mouth of people that should have been guiding me correctly. I heard, you will not get a better education if you go to an HBCU as you would if you go to a white school. Mm. I heard it often, so much so that I was like, well, I don't want to go to an HBCU because I want to make sure I get the best education that will set me up Mm. for success. And I'm looking at all of these HBCU educated people run our country. Mm. I don't ever want to hear any, don't y'all, man, I will go on a tangent here. Don't y'all get me started. (laughs) 
And don't get me wrong, uh, because I'm not, I have, again, I, I have white family members, uh, white friends. I know that sounds stereotypical, but I'm not, I'm not racist at all. But I do believe there are certain things that hurt us as a people that mm-hmm. we are still dealing with to this day. And had it looked different, things might be a little bit different. Yeah. Including code switching, because I, w- I don't think anyone had to code switch back in if we had our own bank, I don't think I had to worry about going into a bank and proving myself because the bankers look like me. Mm. But you had to wait two weeks for a damn deposit. Now, let's, I mean, <laughs> okay, they they gonna spell my last name wrong on my bank account. <laughs> but, okay, they but, gonna lose my damn bank card. Uh, <laughs> yes. But you know what? I think that this has definitely been a great topic for this flight. You know, when it comes to um, holding ourselves accountable as a culture, as an individual, as a unit. But um, I think people should walk away with knowing that talking white is not a thing. Speaking well is. Correct. Wanting to present yourself uh, in a way that you're seen differently. You know, that is definitely you know, a thing. Let's normalize let's normalize not wanting to be project all the time. Why why do we always have to be hood and ratchet? I tell you what, I miss my ratchet days sometimes, but mm-hmm. honey, you know, let glory be to God. So um but let's I think also that- wait, but let's also normalize even if someone doesn't speak well that they're uneducated. Yeah. They don't know anything. Yes. Yeah. Because it's a lot of educated people out here that just don't give a shit about how you see them, which is Correct. like liberating. But you know, it's a lot of lot of people out here who don't speak well, and they're highly educated. Mm-hmm. So um, you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. Look at little Romeo. He went to ICBC. <laughs> I think I think he's the only one that went there, baby. <laughs> He the only one in that commercial. He was the motherfucking owner. Industry. He was the motherfucking security guard, the admission worker. Yes. It don't matter. He still got his education from ICBC. Okay. Yes, he did. ICBC. It don't matter. Seeing this education, but me. Okay. <laughs> Can we just come up with what that even stands for? ICBC. I don't know, but I don't. I see bitches university. Huh? As in David, fool. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the real thing uh, is, time, the real, the, the, the land, y'all. honestly, I believe Romeo went to like UCLA. Like he, you know, he, that's money. He didn't even go to that. Like he was the spokesperson for that, I whatever really that was. Any of them went to any of these fucking schools. Money no, buys he really? Yeah, he, he played basketball for. He played basketball for like UCLA or something like that. USC. Maybe it was USC. Went to USC. Yeah, it was a good, yeah, I knew it was a good ass school. He didn't go to no Yeah, and his daddy probably paid for him to be on the team. Like, I don't buy things like that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't. He did play basketball in the My Baby video. You got some people who are graduating from Harvard and bitch, you been on the road this whole time. You ain't did shit. Ying, no, I'm. I don't even want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> All right, guys, it's definitely been real. Is there any other last words before we go today? Um, I ain't wait, bitch. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>, like, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Oh my god! I don't know. <laughs> <Move> it. <laughs> wait, wait. Yeah, can I just add to that? Also, uh, <laughs> I can't even add to it because I pretty much just summed it up. That like, shit was funny. <laughs> I don't have don't anything. Call me that, like for real. The next person that tells me I talk white, I'm telling you right now, I'm kicking you in your fucking throat. It's mm-hmm. on sight. Like so aggressive. No, no you question. Negroes. Right. Mm-hmm. She's a woman. Mm-hmm. I'm kicking you twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching UFC. Pew, I, can, pew. I can do it. I've been watching. Was that a shotgun or something? Yeah. Something. Yeah. Why are you shooting? If I'm I, don't I don't know. My 
So my last statement is just be you. That's it. Regardless of if if you talk what they expect hood people to talk like, or whether you are have the most professional tone. 24-7, be you. Be authentic to who I'm you good. are. I don't care if you talk like Bobby Big Blue. Own it, okay? Like yes. Own that shit. Own be that you. Shit. And if you like to twerk like I do... Wait a minute. No, don't do that. Twerkers don't in do that. <laughs> It's not ghetto, guys. It's not ghetto to get it out. <laughs> it's time to go. <laughs> it is time to go land. And we out. Bye. Bye. Oh.